0: You can't really call yourself a Christian if you're not making disciples because that's part of what it means to live the Christian life is to share it. You, you talk about JP 2s great phrase, the faith only increases to the measure that it's given away. And so often we think about it in terms of evangelizing, like, oh, do I tell my brother at Thanksgiving who's fallen away from the faith that he needs to stop living with his girlfriend or something? Like we, we latch onto these very specifics and it's like, no, what you need to do is go volunteer and teach the next generation, like the very word tradition means that which is handed on. Welcome ladies and gentlemen to every knee shall bow your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization. This is Mike Gomer Gormley and I am joined as always by Dave the disciple on the road to Emmaus Van Vickle. How you doing Dave? Good.
1: I I am the disciple on the road to Emmaus. I'm constantly walking away from the Lord and having to be turned back. (laughs) you
0: know what's so funny is i was gonna be like oh what are you walking away from I the book? i knew he, you were gonna
1: say something yeah like, dang
0: it do you know where i came up with that that hilarious uh, title? yeah from the gospels
1: it's a story from
0: the no, gospels no, that no, we've read no, a bunch of times no no the emmaus road publishing i have oh. a book and that was ooh, facing ooh, i really face want to know what the book that. is because i love that's my favorite oh what, ooh, it's a new one it's a new one it's called what is redemption because i'm doing a uh oh wait what is this book another one on the atonement I'm doing a talk for the Feast of the Exaltation of the Cross. I'm doing a talk on atonement, and I'm overthinking it by buying dozens of books (laughs) and reading them. So it's kind of crazy. But that book is awesome. That book is awesome. Uh, Anywho, anywho, we have a very special guest today um, from Y Disciple and and Net. Net owns Y Disciple, right? Correct. I'm like, yes. Okay, awesome. We have Annie Grandel. Grandel? Grandel. Grandel.
2: Grandel.
0: Grandel I know as soon as I said Grandel I was like no that's a peasant's name Grandel <laughs> yeah that's royalty right there how you doing Annie
2: I'm great it's good to be with you guys today
0: yeah this is gonna be fun because um, shockingly I had uh, two people in my youth ministry uh, department completely unrelated like unrelated conversations they came up to me and they were like, man, have you ever heard of Wide Disciple? I think um, I really wanna do it. And the other person was like, man, have you ever heard of Wide Disciple? I have a friend at such and such a parish and they're rolling it out and they love it. And so I'm like, oh, well, isn't that a coincidence? Cause I'm about to talk to Annie Grandel about Y Disciple, very excited.
2: <laughs> That's us, yep. Yeah, no, it's, uh, it, it like you said, it's been owned by NET uh, for the last three years. It was at the Augustine Institute before, and then nonprofit right. version of a buyout. Here I am.
0: That's awesome. <laughs> what is a nonprofit
1: version of a buyout?
2: NET bought Y Disciple for a dollar. Oh, nice. No joke.
1: <laughs> totally worth it. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so, Annie, I so give us the timeline. Did you, were you with NET and then they bought Y Disciple, or did you come with Y Dis, or were you with Y Disciple before? That's-
2: I was with Y Disciple before, so I worked at the Augustine Institute for uh, for almost two years uh, with Y Disciple and formed, and when they started to look for another apostolate to take over Y Disciple and just put some more life into it, um, NET was at the top of our list, and so we started with them because it, it just aligned with their mission so well. And um, we, we thought it was a bit of a pipe dream asking them. And sure enough, they said yes almost immediately. And, um, but part of the deal was I would come with it, um, which worked out well for me before I was telecommuting. Before it was cool, um, before everyone was <laughs> telecommuting, I was telecommuting from Minnesota to Colorado um, and having to fly there every once in a while. And then it turned into um, I was at um, Net Ministries, which is 15 minutes from my house. Uh, so it was the Lord knew what he was doing.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah, I've I've been real excited about this um interview because, you know, I I'm a huge fan of Net and I, I people who listen to the podcast know that that I you know, I I never did it, but um I had three sisters who did it and grew up with Net teams at my house and I, I pretty much exclusively hire net alum when I'm working at a parish. But not only that, but like I know I think Jim Beckman had a role in helping form Y Disciple and I'm a big Jim Beckman fan too. I think he's like kind of just really a visionary for church work, so this is an awesome fusion. I, I'm I'm excited to hear what you have to say today.
2: Yeah, yeah, it's it's funny you bring up Jim. I had coffee with him two days ago. His oldest daughter is going to be a net missionary this year, and our missionaries oh, all just awesome. arrived. Yeah, okay. yeah, wow. yeah. So Jim Beckman is the founding architect of Why Disciple. He's the one who came up with this concept of he didn't come up with small group discipleship, but really brought it into the Catholic space. Um, I remember actually sitting at a training that he was running before Why Disciple was even a product. Um, but it was this thing that was coming. And I sat in, in a training of his and I took copious notes. In fact, I've moved those notes from computer to computer. They're still on my desktop. And I remember sitting there thinking, this is amazing. This is revolutionary. This will never work. Uh, I, I, I couldn't <laughs> imagine how this would fit in the, um, in the structures of the programs that I was running. I was a youth minister for 12 years. Um, and, um, on the surface, a successful one, right? We, we had a full youth room, but, um, so I thought, you know, this will never work. So Jim got this, this, program started around the concept of, of small group discipleship. Um, and I love that you use the term visionary, because that's exactly how I describe him. Um, and visionaries are often ahead of their time, right? So he, he came up with this concept of how to get small groups going in parishes, but they needed content. And so they started uh, doing video content. At the time, no one was doing video content for Catholic Youth Ministry stuff, which is kind of a funny statement now because right, now right. there's a glut of it. Um, and at the time, the only way that you could get that video content to people was by DVDs. So if I wanted to start Why Disciple, I needed to buy, if I was going to have five small groups, I needed to buy five sets of every study because they were all on DVD, right? Um I'm, I'm the beneficiary of the passage of time. So he was so far ahead of his time that there wasn't even the technology needed to do what he, what he was um, conceptualizing. Now we run a streaming platform and it's easy. Um, But yeah, he, he's a, he's a visionary in the truest sense.
0: Yeah. It's so funny trying to run all those DVDs. Uh, I I had to do that for a, a church I was helping out with. They were getting youth ministry started as youth ministers running with those big CD wallets from uh small group to small group because yep. you know every week someone would forget it you know leave it in the youth room and all that stuff so funny but yeah streaming has broken open a whole plethora if I may say so a whole plethora of avenues for the gospel and uh simplified it especially for parishes that can't afford full-time youth ministers right that was always my heart like There are people who need training and they need to understand how to communicate the gospel uh, that have never been formally educated. And so it's not just like, oh, kids, watch this DVD, watch this video, and then we'll talk about it afterwards. But like you guys also provide training through these live streaming through the full Y Disciple package, right? What is that like?
2: Right. And, and, and I'm a firm believer. It, it does not matter how good our videos are. Um, if, if the flesh and blood adults in the room don't know how to engage young people, um, and don't have a heart for evangelization and discipleship, it's all going to fall flat. Uh, programs aren't going to make disciples. Videos aren't going to make disciples. Um, especially in, you know, we talk about how the streaming world has just opened up all these avenues for evangelization. It's also democratized content. Um, By the time a teenager gets to you, they've watched 50 videos on TikTok that day. Um, So we're firm believers that the heart of Y Disciple is not our video content for teens, but the training for adults. And that's one of the reasons why NET is such a healthy place for it to live, because NET has been training missionaries to do evangelization and discipleship for four decades. <laughs> and so what we're able to do is we're able to take that training that they've, they've perfected and they've tweaked over the years and package it in a way that um, somebody in the pews, we call him Bob in our office, that, that, <laughs> that guy who has a heart for ministry, has a heart for young people, um, but has no theological training and less ministry training. How can I break into that guy's world and make him a disciple maker? And so mm. the training piece is really the most important piece. So we have high-level training. We have introductory training, like how does how does Y Disciple work? What is small group discipleship? Uh, we have high-level training, a course, with Jim Beckman on um, the theology of discipleship, uh, which is a graduate-level course he teaches and very graciously shrink-wrapped for us to put on our platform. Um, and then we have a library of, of quick tips that are um, – Things that you and I can do in our sleep, right? We know how to set up a space so small groups will talk. We know to put them in a circle, have them all at the same level. Um, but Bob is probably going to put them in a classroom in desks and stand in front of them, and then wonder why discipleship isn't happening. So, <laughs> so we're trying to like break through some of those just really small barriers. But those small barriers add up um, when he panics, when nobody talks, how do we, how do we help him get through that when he skips the game? Cause he's like, games are dumb. Um, why is that worth your time? So um, we have a lot of different levels of training and we're, we're going to just keep pumping that out because that's the most important part.
0: It absolutely is. I think, I think so many of us are, are um, you know, we're all looking for the silver bullet. If you just plug and play, this works. And I, I think, you know, a buddy of mine said this so well, Charles, uh, when he used to work here, he said, uh, here at my parish, he said, when God revealed himself to the world, he always did it within the context of a relationship. And, you know, you father, son, you know, the the relationship of the people of Israel and, and all these things, son of David, son of man. And it's always within the context of relationship. And he said, why is it that we think ministry is something different? Right, like we go from relationship from God to us to now program to now video to now audio to now you know yeah. to even take this book and read it, and there's so many there's so many institutional hurdles that we create that it's like yeah let's leverage the good stuff that we have for really good relationships right, right. and I think that's where I think that's where the Bob in the pew you know you you said the Bob uh, has a heart for ministry. I also have these parents, and I, I wanna draw on your net and wide disciple skills, who know theoretically that youth ministry needs to happen and you need a certain number of adults for a safe environment. Mm-hmm. And so there's this element where it's like, well, like, this is a true story right now, we need 25 people for our 300 freshmen group, right? Wow. So we just have the freshmen as one group, 300 freshmen are there, and we only have like 10 confirmed adult volunteers, mm-hmm. right? And so what if? What, what do you do when you get someone who doesn't necessarily have a heart for ministry? They have a, oh, dear God, this thing needs to happen. I want it to happen, but sure, I guess I'll volunteer. How do you take that kind of hesitant soul into mm. it through training?
2: Yeah, and I, I think sometimes those are some of my favorites because it's, it's the loaves and the fishes, you know, it's, it's the thing that's there. It's the person that's there. Um, but the Lord is often calling that person to go somewhere deeper. Um, and so I, I love that person who comes in there like, yeah, I'll help. And then being able to slowly coach them. And, and that's the thing is it's often an overtime coaching, uh, to get into their heads and remind them, uh, what, what we're asking them to be about. I know a youth minister in Ohio who, he always says, um, he has, He's stricken the word volunteer from his vocabulary as a youth minister. He said, for starters, it's church, and they know it's a volunteer position. Like, why are we telling them this? But <laughs> right. also that that comes with a lot of baggage. It's it's the assumption that they're going to be in a classroom with a textbook. Um, he only uses the language of mentorship so that from the very first ask, it's clear he's asking them to do something different. And then that gives them something to co- go back to over and over and over again. Um, but often those people just need um, ongoing training and not just here's a video, here's a quick tip video on why you should play a game. I mean, that's that's a tool, but that's not the answer. Um, to be able to take those people and really invest in them um, and help them become what I, how, I like to think of it as co-youth ministers, right? Um, to help them buy into the vision but that takes time, right? The, all of us sitting here, it, it was a gradual process of calling and responding, and often running, um, to to get where the Lord is asking us to go, and and it's the same with them. So it's it's going to take some time.
1: Yeah, and I think uh, the context that's important is that there's a parish that's making disciples of adults, and mm-hmm. so you have you know people to draw from and everything. I think that that's like. Like you know, we we've talked about this for so long that there's a lot of resources for youth, which is good, but we're not really forming adult disciples right now, and that's like an important thing. Mm -hmm. Um, But like like Gomer said, like you know, I think it's awesome that we have resources that we can we don't have to like say okay, we're going to stop with the youth for a while and focus Mm -hmm. on adults. Like we have wonderful resources like Why Disciple. The other thing I I think is awesome about this synergy of why disciple and net ministries is like you mentioned, they've been forming disciples for four decades. Like Mm -hmm. it's not, they're not looking for the magic pill. They're not looking for the silver bullet. They're not looking for the program or process. They're just preaching Jesus. And like, you know, 40 years is a long time. You're not going to stray just because you found this fancy product or something like that. Yeah. Um, So it's right from the heart. So what makes
0: net? So, um, I mean, obviously you're in the game for 40 years. Uh, what makes it so attractive? Like what are the youth looking for right now that net ministries in general has been, you know, working for and, and, and meeting those needs?
2: Yeah, um, I, I think that's a really interesting question. I think what um, what Gen Z is looking for is, is what most people are looking for, <laughs> um, but it's authenticity and relationship. Um, they're looking for people who are sincere um, and for people who see them. Um, I think it's, it's one of the greatest travesties, um, of our time is that, that church, that the place where we encounter the living God who, who made us and knows every cell of our bodies, um, where we encounter and receive that God, um, is a place where most young people feel the, le- the least seen and known and loved. Um, and that's, that's a failure on people like me, um, so young people need to see, need to be seen and known, um, and loved. And honestly, there, even like actual studies are out there that say what they're asking for is adult mentors. What they're asking for is not um, a, a shiny event. I love, I love events. I, I love a good conference, um, and those are good. I'm not trying to say that they're not. But what they're actually asking for from the church is adult mentors. Um, and so we, we're we really uniquely positioned to be able to, um, to respond to that need. You know, NET has been focused on relational ministry for 40 years, um, again, before relational ministry was cool. And really everything that NET does is with that in mind. You know, we have a, a short retreat where we've got a team of young adults who come in and and do evangelistic retreats with young people in parishes and schools. And it's, it's young adults who are going to um, get to know their name and be interested in what they have to say. So that's kind of really surface level, entry level rather, uh, relational ministry. And then we've got our longer form retreats that'll last a weekend. Then we have discipleship teams that are in parishes for three years at a time. Um, and then there's Y Disciple, which is training adults in the parish to be walking with young people in that mentoring relationship um, over the course of time. So it's it's really a deepening of relational ministry in everything that we do at Net Ministries. Um, and so to be able to respond to young people's desire uh, for relationship and for mentorship, um, we're ready and and it's fun to be a part of.
0: <laughs> That's awesome. I love that notion of mentoring because... It does break people away from like, I'm just going to stand in the corner and yell at kids when they climb on the furniture, right? (laughs) But it also reminds us of like the very notion of discipleship is, you know, the Jewish rabbi Mm. who brings his, you know, eight, six, 10, 12 people around him, men around him and directly teaches them how to live you know, the Jewish life, right? How to live from the heart of the Torah. And that was passed on into the early church in a very Jewish understanding of following the way of the Lord Jesus. This isn't just, and Jesus broke open the rabbinical model, even though they called them rabbi, teacher, master, whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, He did something that was utterly unheard of, which is he had women disciples and he had disciples who didn't follow him everywhere he went. Physically, he also had bases of disciples, such as in Bethany with Martha, Mary and Lazarus, and he cultivated this like rich approach to discipleship, but at the center of it all wasn't a teaching, but it was the word. It was him, Mm. right? The word made flesh. And I think it becomes, it's interesting how in the earliest days of the church, almost right off the bat, Pope John Paul says this, that, um, Catechesi tridenti, he says that the the word for all the all the enterprise of discipling became known as catechesis. Right. Mm-hmm. So discipling, mentoring, taking a protege, someone who is, you know, St. Paul talks about and Hebrews talks about from milk to solid food of doctrine and living, taking all of that and maturing that faith. That's what catechesis is. But for a lot of us, it's let's go through the book. Yeah. And programs have supplanted ministry or mentoring. Yes. And that recovering that vision is so essential.
2: Yeah. And I mean, going back to your question early on, Gomer, about, you know, what do you do when you've got adults that are volunteering and they they're imagining just being a volunteer sitting in the corner, (laughs) yelling at kids Um, in order for something like why disciple, but even more generally the concept of discipling young people to work, you need an army like you're looking for. You need an army of adults to be able to do that. And one of the biggest obstacles I think that we have right now is that most Catholic adults have never been discipled. Mm. It, it, so we're asking them to do something that they've never seen or experienced. And I'm yeah. not saying it's impossible and we're screwed, but we need, to, we need to acknowledge that reality, that we're asking them to do something that they've probably never seen. And so who needs to do that? It's, it's us, it's the people working with them that need to be discipling the adults.
1: Yeah, I I think that this is like such a uh, this is a difficult part of parish life that people rarely kind of bring up is that a youth minister is literally probably going to have to disciple a lot of people who are older than him Mm -hmm. or her because he needs disciples to disciple. I mean, it's just um, I think that that is one of the biggest reasons why I've often turned to Net alum when I'm hiring, because there is a maturity there. Well, first of all, I I really like NetAlum because there is a maturity, and it's I think it's something about living in that van for a year with twelve other adults. <laughs> you know that they have to learn like interpersonal skills that other people don't learn, but also just they need to encounter not just one situation of discipleship but hundreds yeah. and be able to meet a parishioner and say, yeah, this is where you're at and I know where you're at and this is where we need to go. Um, that's not an easy sell. That's not mm-hmm. easy.
0: What kind of fruit are you seeing from this, right? What 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 are y'all um not just I guess maybe we can focus on why disciple since you've been a part of it for so long, both Augustine and here. What 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 is some of the fruit that you're seeing?
2: Um I think one of the things that I, I'm seeing is so Before I was at the Augustine Institute, before I was at Net Ministries, I was a youth minister for 12 years almost um, in the same parish, which is weird um, and very unusual in in the Catholic ministry space, um, which is sad because if I was an engineer and said I was at the same place for 12 years, that's a non-statement. But in ministry, you're like, whoa, you're a survivor, man. Um, But (laughs) I, I was at an amazing parish, amazing community for 12 years. We implemented um, small group discipleship um, after a while. And, um, you know, then I've I've moved through it. When I was in the parish, the reason I started working for the Augustine Institute is um, we had crazy success very quickly uh, with implementing small group discipleship. I started to get calls from other parishes saying, how did you do that? And so I would go and you know train up their team. And then it started to be other diocese would call and say, will you come and train my youth ministers? How did you do that? So finally, I called the Augustine Institute and was like, hey, I'm kind of working for you for free. How about we make this official? And mm. um, so when I was doing it in the parish, it was this, an, I was an anomaly, right? People were calling me. They're saying, what are you doing? And tell me how you're doing it. And the fruit that I'm seeing now is it's no longer an anomaly. It's no longer like, oh, there's one person over there that's getting it done. Good job. It's becoming more mainstream in a sense. Um, And that's really exciting for me, that it's gaining traction. Um, And not that my program or my product is gaining traction. Maybe it makes me terrible at my job, but I could care less if somebody uses Y Disciple. I just want them discipling teenagers. (laughs) And I want to give people tools. And so maybe that's that's how I can help is is with the product that we have. But I'm seeing small group discipleship being something that people are talking about. um, And not just in a buzzword kind of way, but they're actually making it happen. And that's exciting for me.
0: Mm. What would be one tip you would give, or maybe not one, but what would be some encouraging advice you would give to that youth minister who maybe has lived the program lifestyle, the event-based ministry, and is looking to do more discipleship? How would you encourage that person?
2: Yeah, I would say start small. Um, actually the first thing I would say is learn from my misadventures. That's what I want my business cards to say. Like, look at all the mistakes I made in ministry. Just don't do those things. Um, I built a ministry around myself for so many years. Look, I was good at the event. I was good at giving talks. Um, I could, I could put on the show and have a full youth room and no one asked me questions, right? My pastor didn't ask questions and my DRE didn't ask questions, which for a youth minister is a really good place to be. Um, but yeah, no I, kidding. I had made it. No kidding. Right, right. <laughs> But I actually I remember one time sitting standing in my, in my youth room and I had this amazing core team and these awesome young people, um, and it was it was full and I remember thinking this uh, simultaneously this is amazing thank you Lord and I hope nobody does the math <laughs> because while it looked good it looked successful yeah. it was like something like eighteen percent of the people in my parish young people in our parish and I was hungrier than that and we sure as heck better be hungrier than 18%, um, if we're, if we're in it for evangelization.
0: Oh, that's so good. Say, I I remember a youth minister saying, you know, you're praising me for having the largest youth group in our, you know, County. And he said, but Satan's youth group is 10 times bigger than mine.
2: Oh, yes.
0: He said, that's what keeps me in this is always thinking there are so many other kids that we're not reaching, quit applauding ourselves and roll up your sleeves.
2: Yep. And so, you know, with the event-based thing, I was superficially successful. Um, so the first thing I would say is, you know, ask who's at the center of your ministry. Is it the Lord or is it you? And it's a hard gut check to do. Um, it was hard for me to go through, I'll tell you. Um, the second thing I would do is, is more general. Um, but just start small, right? That we start just yeah. a single small group. Um, because when all the energy has to come from a single place, from a single youth minister, then it's going to fail when that youth minister gets tired. Um, where if you're starting small, you're getting one or two people on board. Yeah, are you going to talk in the microphone? This is great. This is perfect timing, son. This <laughs> is <laughs> <laughs> Okay. Legend.
0: Legend. Um,
2: here you go, buddy. Right here.
0: You know, I, the, the thing that kills me about this conversation is my youth ministry program is kicking off in September on September 11th. And I'm like, I want to redo everything. (laughs) And, uh, you know, we, we do this big event every year called catechist day, affectionately known as cat day. And I have a little kitty cat themed. It's fine. Um, but, uh, the, the big vision that we try to kind of, uh, that we try to put out there is this understanding that, um, you can't really call yourself a Christian if you're not making disciples because that's part of what it means to live the Christian life is to share it. Yeah. I mean, you, you talk about JP two's great phrase. Um, the faith only increases to the measure that it's given away. Mm-hmm. And you think about this in terms of like, so often we think about it in terms of evangelizing, like, Oh, do I tell my brother at Thanksgiving who's fallen away from the faith that he needs to stop living with his girlfriend or something? Like we, we latch onto these very specifics and it's like, no, what you need to do is go volunteer and teach the next generation. Like St. Paul's the, the, the very word tradition means that which is handed on. Mm. Right. And it's handed on. It's not emailed. Right, Like there is this interpersonal kinetic component that cannot be avoided, but I keep finding at my parish, the adults who are the least likely to volunteer for youth ministry are actually the ones who are the most educated, Yeah, right? They're the ones who go to all the Bible studies and all the retreats. And I'm like, you're the ideal person. They're like, no, that's not for me. I'm not doing it. And I'm like, no, no, no. I know you're, and, and I, this is my kind of rationale for it. They're being fed and they love it. It's enriching their soul, mm-hmm. but they don't understand. It's scary. It's yep. complicated. It's messy, but they don't understand how good it can be, how much more enriching for their own soul. It can be when you give that away. Yeah. Right. I mean, just a very human, natural experience. You don't learn something nearly as well as when you, um, of just listening to when you teach it. And trying to teach a high school student, you know, you you sit through a Jeff Caven's Bible study for a year, you do the Bible timeline, and then you want to, like, communicate that to a high school student, you, you know, it's like drinking from a fire hose. So you have to know it so well to state it so simply. Yeah. But all of these things, and I'm just like, how do I get you people? Mm-hmm. How do I get you out of the seat? Like, I even came up with a program call, or not a program, but a... Like a mantra, it was called "train up" or "train out," Ooh. and it was like, okay, if they're if they've been a student for two years in your program, you then need to make them a leader or send them intentionally into the food pantry, St. Vincent de Paul yeah. Society, the Knights, or the or the Catholic uh, Daughters of America, like some social, so- or for the love of God, send them into catechists and youth ministry court teams, <laughs> right?
2: Yep. Yeah, I, I remember having the same situation. I think most most people who work in ministry can, have. Can relate to what you're saying. Um, One of the ways we finally got to some of those people is I stopped making the ask because after 10 years, I was the church lady. You know, Um, people deleted my emails, uh, they ignored my pulpit pitches, and no one reads the bulletin. So, what does that matter? Um, So, um, what we started to do is we started asking young people who wanted to be in a small group and, and even better their parents. And saying, hey, if you could ask anybody to be your mentor, your son's mentor, who would you ask? And then they would Mm. identify names. And then I would reach out to those people and say, you know what, Um, John and his friends want you to mentor them in the Christian life. You want to know how hard that is to say no to?
1: (laughs) it It was amazing
2: because it wasn't me making the ask. Um, and, and we started to finally get to some of those people who'd been in those Bible studies for so long, but they didn't think youth ministry was for them, not because some of them just didn't want to do it, um, but a lot of them thought it meant um, running all the games and being in silly skits, and they're like, that's just not my jam. And we're like, no, this is meeting with them in your living room, following all safe environment policies, and <laughs> uh, walking with them and asking questions more often than you speak. And all of a sudden, it became something that they could do. Um, and so it was really fun to finally get to that peop- that group of people. My best my best small group leaders were empty nesters and retirees by far.
0: Yeah. And people don't see that. People think you got to be young, cool. You got to be a young yeah. adult to minister to high school youth. And it's like, no, no. you have to have a heart for young people.
1: I, I, Yeah. I think there's also a hurdle of like, do I know enough? Mm-hmm. And it's like, we're miscommunicating that idea that it's kind of rather than I found the source. Let me show you. It's more like, hey, let's both search the source together. You know. Yeah. And I think like there is that idea of like, oh no, that's not for me. I haven't learned enough of that yet. And it's like, no, no, that's not what we're talking about. We're we're talking about like teaching them how to live, not necessarily answer every question they have.
2: Mm-hmm. And and a young person so appreciates the authenticity of a person who says, I don't know. Right. Right. I, it's 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 such a beautiful thing that happens um because they see it's not this this unattainable um like saint with a halo walking around it's it's a person who's wondering and asking questions too, and they say i c- I can be that person,
0: yeah, it reminds me of Saint Peter saying um in first Peter chapter three, fifteen, and sixteen, where you know that's the classic apologetics, right? He says, always be ready to have a defense for the hope that is within you. Mm. And I remember this one pastor was kind of breaking that down. And he said, always be ready to defend the hope, not to give every answer. And why do you have hope? Because Christ died and rose for you. So if you could bring everything, all the catechetical points back to the person of Jesus and the Paschal mystery, you know, not to oversimplify the faith, but to reconnect it to the hope that is within us. I mean, let's be honest, this generation needs hope more Mm -hmm. than any other generation, Yeah. right? And speaking of which I have uh, a plan to increase hope for every one of our listeners, text EKSB at three, three, seven, 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 and you can get on our mailing list. (laughs) How about that for a segue? (laughs) That was, that was a terrible segue. That was a terrible (laughs) segue, but we have to go to commercial break real quick. Find folks at Ascension who, uh, obviously help us run this podcast and do. Oh, so many of so much of the work, pretty much all the work behind the scenes, um, we, uh, we're so happy to have him. So we're going to throw it out to a commercial break, but good folks, when we come back, we're going to keep breaking open youth ministry with, uh, Annie here from why disciple and net ministries. We're going to break this open, but I do want you to text E K S B two three, three, seven, seven, seven to hop on our mailing list. So you can keep getting good content like this.
1: We'll be right back. Hi there. I'm Mark Hart. And I want to share with you an exciting new series called venture the Bible timeline for high school. Now let's be honest. The Bible is easily the most confusing, most misunderstood book of all time. How do these random time periods, these random people, these random stories all fit together? And what do they mean for me and for my life? In this study, we're going to take a journey through the basic story of Scripture from Genesis through Revelation, so that by the end of it, teenagers will understand the big picture of salvation history. Because when we come to know the story, we come to know our place in the story. To find out more and get a free preview of this engaging new study, visit ascensionpress.com backslash venture. And we're back to every Nischel bow, your weekly Catholic podcast on evangelization and discipleship. And we're joined by Annie Grandel from Net Ministries and specifically the Why Disciple arm of Net Ministries. We're talking about evangelizing youth uh, in parish or home settings um, and how effective Why Disciple has been and what a great tool it is for the church. So, Annie, welcome back.
2: Yeah, thanks so much. It's so good to be here with you guys. I feel like we could keep talking for maybe like three more hours. Oh, totally. Yeah,
0: totally. (laughs) Yeah, no kidding. So when we wrap up, I got one more question for you. How can we best equip ourselves, right, to make Christ known and love for the youth? Cause you know, there is the events, there is the games, there is this stuff. All of these things might be components, might be distractions. How do you think we can best equip ourselves for doing this for doing the good work?
2: I, I think first is, um, doing our best to understand our audience, understand Gen Z. Um, because if, if that's who we're, we're trying to evangelize, we need to understand the culture that we're walking into, not just generally Western culture, but to understand Gen Z. Um, a a lot of times we treat Gen Z like they're millennials and they're not, they're very, very different. Um, that can be a whole conversation unto itself, but to stop and to listen and to understand who we're talking to. Uh, Missionaries, the Jesuit missionaries would learn the language of the people. Um, They wouldn't just go in and speak Latin at them and expect them to become disciples, right? Um, So we need to understand who we're we're evangelizing um, because Gen Z is amazing and they come with so many, many gifts. Um, So I think that's the biggest thing. Second, maybe not second um, in order, uh, but be a disciple. If we're going to to pass on the faith, to, to hand on the faith, as you said, uh, to the next generation, we need to be working on being disciples ourselves, growing in our own prayer, um, because ministry is only ever an outflow or an overflow of the abundance of our hearts um, and our relationship with the Lord. Um, so yeah, the biggest thing is, is know our audience um, and know the Lord.
0: Mm. Yeah. Mm. Gen yeah. Z comes with I thought you were gonna say wounds, yeah. baggage, but you flipped it on me yeah. and said so many gifts. Yeah. And I do. We we totally focus on the negative, right? Yeah.
2: And they've got plenty of wounds and baggage, but hey, I don't know if you guys notice this, but so do so do us Xers. You know, <laughs> everyone comes with you wounds and baggage, and that doesn't that's not what defines us.
0: Right. Oh, that's true. We are not defined by we what was the great line from JP Two? We are not the sum total of our weaknesses and failures. Right, but the Sum of the Father's love for us in Mm -hmm. Christ Jesus. I love that phrase. And and I think now more than ever we need to internalize that. Yeah. Well, thank you, Annie, so much for coming on again. You are the director of Why Disciple for Net Ministries. Um, people can get individual subscriptions. They can buy uh, a subscription for their parish in order to get access to the videos, the training. You have all sorts of uh, good pricing tiers to kind of help anyone out. This is for people who have a heart for youth ministry to bring Christ to the next generation. This isn't about being a full-time professional Catholic youth minister. It works for them too, but anyone who is listening to this who wants to make disciples of young people, this is one of the greatest resources out there to help you do that.
2: Great, thank you guys so much. It's been such an honor to to talk with you guys.
0: You too, thanks so much yeah. for coming on. Yeah, this has been awesome. All right everyone, this has been Every Knee Shall Bow, your seasonal Catholic podcast on evangelization. I'm Gomer and this is Dave and Annie, adios.